during my isolation time, I, I tried to maintain by myself, but I couldn't. I could see my hair growing on my face because they never gave me a razor. My skin was losing its pigmentation because I didn't feel the sun. And then one day I woke up and the voices in my head were so strong. And the voices was telling me, Kyle, you was on six time state champ. You was golfing in Tiger Woods. You was ranked fourth in the world. And look where you stay. And on seven by seven cell, losing your mind. Rammy hit in the wall, Kyle. Rammy hit into the wall. This is a special day, yeah? I backed up in a, as far as I could against my cell door and I was ready for lunge forward three steps and bust my head into the wall because that seemed like a good idea at the time. But something was holding me back against my wall. And then I remember as a child, I saw this show of one guy, he was on his knees and he was praying to this guy named God he needed help. Those images started flashing through my head as I stayed pinned against my wall. So all I did was copy what I saw. So I went down in my knees in seven by seven windowless cell. And I said, God, my name is Kyle, bro. And I start forward to all those people. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to the Recovered Life Show. I am joined today by Kyle Kilao Singh. He's a motivational speaker and recovery advocate that helps kids. How are you doing today, Kyle? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much, David, for having me. Oh, I am so thrilled about having you on the show. I Six months ago, I saw a YouTube video about your story, which you're, which you're going to tell us here. I, I don't want to blow it because I can't tell it as well as you can. Uh, but it is an amazing story about rebuilding your life, addiction, service. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. And I wanted to have you on the show to talk about really, you know, being of service in recovery, right? Being sober, being of service. But first, I'd like you to tell people kind of your your, your overview story here about, uh, about how you got into recovery and, and a little bit of the backstory. Okay. Aloha, everyone. My name is Kyle. I was born in Hilo, Hawaii, and my upbringing was very amazing. I was raised by my grandfather, who was also the chief of police, who instilled in me wholesome values and strong morals and ethics. My grandfather introduced me to the game of golf, which I quickly fell in love with, and I dedicated every waking moment to perfecting my craft and becoming a six-time state champ. And I was ranked fourth in the world. And I played alongside Tiger Woods as a junior golfer. But after allowing all the success, I became arrogant and prideful. And I was expelled in high school, my senior year of high school, which became the catalyst for my downhill spiral that eventually led me to become a 98-pound crystal meth addict who was labeled Hawaii's most wanted and a menace to society. You know, Kyle, you're, I, I saw pictures and anyone, you know, we're going to tell you how to access this YouTube channel so you can see them. You really were one of Hawaii's most wanted, weren't you? That, yes. That's not, that's not just a statement. You, you actually, the mugshot, the whole thing, you, you were quite notorious in Hawaii, yes, yes, um, but before you were notorious uh, as, as an addict, really, you were notorious as a golfer and you're not kidding that you were like, you know, you're, you're really understating it. Uh, you were an, you, you were, and I'm sure am now an amazing golfer and we're one of the best junior golfers out there. Yes. I, 
every year in Hawaii, I, I won the state tournament every year, which allowed me to go to the California Junior World Championships where I saw Eldrick Tiger Woods. And I represented Hawaii for six years in a row. And I ranked fourth in the world. And I, w- I had a very bright future. And yeah, I saw a picture of you and, and Tiger Woods. You both had huge trophies. They're yeah. almost as big as you as as you were. I don't yeah. know how tall you were, but yeah. it was absolutely huge. So what what happened? Like you talk about being in high school, how arrogance kind of came up. And did you just get did one day you just get sucked into this, or was this just more of a slow thing and then you ended up addicted? I think I got sucked into it. So in high school, I was an honorable student because in order to be a professional, I, I must be smart in school. I must be strong, physically strong. And my senior year, every time I'll check my mailbox, it would have numerous scholarship offers from colleges all over the nation. And every time I'll open up my mailbox and I'll look at all these envelopes, my head got big with pride and ego. And I let that t- get the best out of me. And like I said, I was a good honor roll student and I was walking around campus like I was a different person. Like I was untouchable and you cannot tell me what to do. And, and one day in high school, my senior year, six months to graduation, I already decided on a college that I wanted to go to. But one teacher told me what to do. I'm right in his face and I said, bro, no, tell me what to do. You just want to teach I'm going to be a millionaire, bro. No, tell me what to do. He was Kyle, you better yourself but you never graduated long story short i made a bad choice in high school and i got kicked out because of my behavior what i did which yeah so before when i was golfing everybody believed in me so when i got kicked out of school the world traveled fast in in hawaii so wherever i went in hawaii the supermarket to the beach people would look at me and they'd tell me oh kyle i heard that happened to you you missed your ride yeah you're so stupid bro you're so stupid bro wherever i went the whole state was telling me this so at 18 years old i packed up my bags and i left to alaska thinking that that was my answer i just had to leave hawaii and leave leave all that feedback that i was getting from everybody did you have were drugs a thing then no no so you you just it was literally just arrogance you just thought well i've got this everything's gonna be fine you made a couple of bad choices and then you know your whole life changes yep so i left you're you're right. on your way to Alaska. Alaska yep. has got to be, Kyle, opposite the most opposite of yep. Hawaii. And Why did eight, you pick Alaska? At 18 years old, I thought Alaska was my answer because that's totally opposite from Hawaii and it's the farthest place I knew of. So when I went there, long story short, I was in Alaska for five years. I had three beautiful kids. One day I woke up and I said, you know, I'm going home. I'm going home, back to Hawaii. So I took my kids. I went back to Hawaii. And when my plane landed in Hawaii, I landed right in the crystal meth epidemic. And no matter where I went, I saw crystal meth. And all my friends, childhood friends, was all addicts. And it was just a matter of time before that pipe went into my mouth. And in, before the pipe went into my mouth, I still good. I still no do drugs. I no drink. I no smoke cigarettes, nothing. And I, when I go to the schools today, I tell the kids, you only can say no so much. So I did it. I, I did the crystal meth. And when I blew out the crystal meth smoke, I blew out everything that was instilled in me as a child. All my love, all my morals, all my respect, all my etiquette was gone. And I instantly became an addict. And I did what was necessary to fuel my addiction. And I terrorized my home, which was Hawaii. And I, I got labeled many things. Hawaii is most wanted. So now I'm on the news again, but not for golf. 
on the news. So if you see Kyle Kilausi and call 911, please don't try to apprehend him and armed and dangerous and just chaos. What was going through your, what was going through your mind, Kyle? Like, cause you probably had the best intentions, you know, even though you had made some bad decisions in, in high school, you really kind of got it together, had a family. You you're now living in the most beautiful place in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Hawaii. And did you just think that you could really smoke crystal meth and that everything would be fine? Yep. I just wanted to go with them because everybody was doing them peer pressure. And then how and quickly did that, did that spiral out of control? Quickly. For, as soon as I blew it out, I was addicted and I was, wow. I, I became on. Yeah. And it did what was necessary to fuel my addiction. And I, oh, I did so much bad things. And we live on an island. So it was just a matter of time. It was four years. They tried to catch me. After five high-speed chases later, four years, I, I finally got caught. And when they caught me, this is my mugshot, yeah? I was 24 years old, 98 pounds, full-blown crystal meth addict, Hawaii's most wanted. And... When the police department caught me, they put me in the local newspaper right in the front page and they put the big catch captured. So the police was happy. They had a party. The whole community of Hawaii was happy. They was relieved that I was gone. But that relief never lasted too long because three months later, I, I escaped. I planned one of the biggest escapes and I, I tied bed sheets and I climbed up on light and I broke a window on the ceiling and I jumped off the roof and Wow. And that was yeah. in Hawaii? Yeah. You were in, in Hawaii. Hawaii when that happened? Was, yeah. Do, do so you not, feel that that was the drugs kind of fueling that of trying it, it, to get it, back it was to the drugs. drugs? I was physically strong already, but it's just the taste mm-hmm. of the crystal mint was, was in my mouth and was strong. And that I, is, that is crazy. So yeah. you, so literally now you're a fugitive again, yep. you break out of jail. How long yep. did that, how long were you able to get away with that? Like I said, we live in, I live in an island. So we're going to run, take, take me two hours for go that side and two hours back. So it was 12 days, three high-speed chases later, they caught me again. And this time they made sure that I, I wouldn't escape. So this is my first time getting in trouble. I never did get in trouble my whole life. So now they put me in an isolation shell for in a seven by seven cell, no windows by myself. For three years, I live in that cell. I never see one human for three years. I never hear one human for three years. I never see outside for three years. I ate in my cell. They brought me my food through a little trap door that opens. I took a bat in my sink for three years, bro. And Damon, I'm, I don't care who you are. You spend that much time in isolation. Things will start taking a toll on your mind, bro. I don't know how you did. did obviously, you had a lot of time to reflect. Did, did you think it was the drugs then? The drugs did you make- think that the reason that you were in there were because of the drugs or 100%, did you think you did? Okay. So you knew you didn't have any delusion no, no. that it wasn't nope. the drugs. No. Nope. Yeah. Crystal met had me and had no intentions of letting me go. Bro. So three years, three years. and what, what is, what, you know, obviously it takes a toll on you, but what, what kind of toll does it take? I mean, not really having human contact with anyone, mm-hmm. Really, you had untreated alcoholism, right? And drug addiction. I'm assuming that they didn't give you any kind of treatment or anything. Nope, You're just locked nope. up with yourself. By myself. And I look back and God is good. God is good. One thing wasn't instilled in me as a child was God. Everything else that was good was instilled except God for some apparent reason. And during my isolation time, I, I tried to maintain by myself. 
but I couldn't. I could see my hair growing on my face because they never gave me a razor. My skin was losing its pigmentation because I didn't feel the sun. And then one day I woke up and the voices in my head were so strong. And the voices was telling me, Kyle, you was on six-time state champ. You was golfing in Tiger Woods. You was ranked fourth in the world. And look where you stay. And on seven by seven cell, losing your mind. Ramming hit in the wall, Kyle. Ramming hit into the wall. This is a special day. Yeah. I backed up in a, as far as I could against my cell door. And I was ready for lunge forward, three steps, and bust my head into the wall. Because that seemed like a good idea at the time. But something was holding me back against my wall. And then I remember as a child, I saw this show of one guy. He was on his knees. And he was praying to this guy named God. He needed help. Those images started flashing through my head as I stayed pinned against my wall. So all I did was copy what I saw. So I went down in my knees in seven by seven windowless cell. And I said, God, my name is Kyle, bro. And I start for what I did to all those people. If you out there, Father God, help me. I need help. I need help. Please help me, cause. And boom, I felt them. I felt something right in my soul, right in my body. The whole body just got warm inside. And that's the day I surrendered and I gave my life to God. The, the voices of smashing my head was gone. And three years and two weeks that my cell door finally opened. And I seen two human beings looking at me. And they was looking at me. I was looking at them. Mine, I three years now. And they're looking at me. And they say, Kyle, you all right? I said, I, I think so. I think all right. He said, come on, man. Let's go. I said, oh, where are we going? He said, you don't know where we're going? I said, no. This is your first time in prison. I said, it's my first time in prison. This is your first time in prison. You did trios in isolation. Oh, bro. How you that? I was, I don't know. So they took me to this place called high custody prison. If you see the news, you see people kill people, they are labeled high risk because they're not going to see the light of day. So they're high risk inmates. People that gang leaders is high risk inmates because they get plenty influence on inmates. So they lock them up in the high custody with the lifers. They put me, Kyle Kilau Singh, never get in trouble in my life, golf with Tiger Woods, boom, 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 in high risk because I made one of the biggest escapes here in Hawaii. I high risk. So, so it had already kind of changed. You, you had already, as a person, though, kind of realized what had happened and were already kind of on the path to recovery, even though it might not have been formal, right? right. You're doing that, but, but obviously you still have to do your time in prison right. and you're there. And, you know, and I think what a lot of people would wonder is when you've changed spiritually, but yet you're in a situation with people that are completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Uh, how do you do that? That's a good question. You know, most times I got into physical altercations because of, because what I believe in and I I'm, I'm among bad people, bro. People that kill people and people used to tell me all kinds of things like, Oh, why not go put water in your cell and walk on water? Like your friend, Jesus and that kind of things. And they would mob me and fight me. And I just stayed focused on the right. I remember why I surrender and I pray. You see my shirt. It says stay humble, pray on top. And in the high prison custody, we played a big part of my story because people get killed and raped on a daily basis in prison. And in prison, that's normal. 
but not for me. That's that's not normal for me. I don't care how many times I see them. I was always an uncomfortable sight, bro. So every time I'll see something that going on, six guys raping one guy, and everybody's not even paying attention, I would excuse myself. I'll go to my cell. I'll close my door. I'll take a big breath, and I'll tell myself, stay humble, bro. You get six years left. This is temporary. This is not your home. Remember that, Kyle. And I pray, Father God, help me. Help me, Julius. Thank you for this beautiful day. Help me. Stay humble prayer. That's the first time I ever did stay humble prayer. We're watching a movie. A guy gets stabbed in blood shooting. Guys, just move on the side. That's it. Not me. I go to my cell. I close my door. Take a big breath. Stay humble, Kyle. Six years left. Five years left. Four years left. This is not your home. Remember that. Go on my knees, Father God, thank you for another breath, beautiful day, for a breath of life. Please guide me and protect me. Stay humble prayer. Stay humble prayer. Stay humble prayer. So that, that in, was my in mantra. Prison, in you're even, you know, you're you're even finding ways from your story to be of service in prison, which kind of sets you up for yeah. what happens when you get out of prison, which is amazing yeah. story. Yeah. Um, but you even found, even in the worst possible situation, ways in which that you could be of service basically in hell right right and i i prayed out in prison and i most prayers that i say to god and ask of god is when i am free from here father god use me in any way that you need me to show your love your mercy your forgiveness and your grace use me father god protect me as of right now protect me when i'm free but use me father god so now i did my whole 10 years in prison and i safe i safe i lost all my front teeth this is all fake and I survived ten, three years in isolation and seven years in my custody prison. And now I'm free. I've been free for seven years now. Thank you, Jesus. Free from just 17, free from prison for seven. And now I'm a motivational speaker here in Hawaii. And I spoke to 95% of the schools here in Hawaii. I did every school on the island of Kauai, island of Maui, Oahu, Lanai, and Molokai. And I did all these schools for free. That's how yeah. I gave back to the community that I once destroyed. That is, that is the amazing part of your story is that, you know, I think when people are in the thick of it, especially with addiction, and it might not be that bad, right? You, somebody might be listening to this and saying, you know, they might be a soccer mom and realize that they drank too much and they've never really had any legal or big consequences for their drinking, right? are using and they decided to get sober and they realized that service is a part of long-term sobriety. It is the key, right? right. To, to long-term sobriety. And everybody has to be a service in their own way. What was great about your story and, and you went through in your videos is the transition back into the community in Hawaii and about how you had a very clear focus. And I would think a lot of people who are gone for 10 years, and then even before that, you had a, you know, many years of addiction, running from the law and doing things, that when you come back, you're thinking, okay, well, what now what am I going to do with my life? But you really said, how can I serve other people so they don't end up, specifically kids, end right. up in this situation. And that's what, you know, the whole story of you, how hard it was actually for you to do that. It mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't an easy transition. It wasn't. And everything that happened to me in prison, getting beat up, losing all my teeth and things that I went through only build passion in me. Every bad thing with passion in me built passion and passion. And every time I go to one school, I see me in there. 
I see one super good kid, bro, looking at me. Like how I was one super good kid. And I don't like anybody go where I went with my addiction and in my incarceration. So I, when I came out of prison, I, I came out with a focused mind, a grateful heart, and a soul that is filled with passion. And this passion now in me has no boundaries or limitations. And I have dedicated myself to help as many kids as I can and educate them about the power of their choices, bro. And to remind them that you're one choice away, bro, from a different life. And, you know, when I left Hawaii to prison, I left on bad tastes in people's mouths in my home, which is Hawaii. So coming back 10 years later, nobody knew the, what I went through and the change and the transformation that I went through in prison. Nobody know. So when people saw me come back, they just picked up where they left off. And their people's perceptions and opinions about me wasn't good, bro. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. But they wasn't afraid to show how they felt bro, to me. Yeah? How, how, how do you deal with that, Kyle? Because okay. I'm sure there's people that are listening to this right now, yep. and they've made mistakes, right? And yep. they've made mistakes. And now they're not the same person. And, and this is the thing with, with addiction is that sometimes addiction takes you to a place where you would never really go independently, right? But through having a spiritual awakening, you've recovered and you're no longer this person. How do you deal with that? What advice would you give to people who are listening to this that are struggling with that? They are new people, but they're having a hard time really kind of having the people around them that knew them win feel comfortable with them. I know it might be hard for some people out there, but try your best not to let somebody's opinions and perceptions about you affect you. Because if, if, if I let their percep perceptions about me affect me, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I would have got caught up in the mix again. But I kept my eyes on a prize, which, which, which was the kids bro, from prison, asking God to use me when I get out to, to change the lives of millions of kids. I kept that in my sights, kept that in my sights. And if I veer off this way and confront negativity with negativity, I'm not going to go in this path. So I got to stay straight and I got to stay focused on what matter, the things that really matter, which is these kids. And yeah, well, it's so interesting about your story because one of the videos you talk about having times where you would run into people yeah. that, that you had had problems with and mm -hmm. they're already, they're still living that life and you're not. And mm -hmm. how just grace, you were able to kind of just mysteriously get out of that. But what I love about your your story is no matter what is thrown at you, Kyle, you have this dogged persistence to be of service to kids. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I mean, literally they could put bulldozers in front of you. You will find a way to get around them to be of service. And, and you know, it's the, it's amazing. It's, I mean, anyone who knows anything about you, it's absolutely amazing. What would you tell people who, who have recovered but really aren't in the service. They're not doing any kind of service. Okay. What's the difference in your recovery? If you okay, do I, got, I got blessed with sobriety and I could walk out of my house right now and I'll see the same people that I, I did my addiction with. And I see them on the streets doing the same thing, what I did. And God and bless me with sobriety. And I'm not going to sit at home on my couch and do nothing about that and just sit down and say, I'm sober. No way. I'm going to get up and I'm going to share the good news bro, of hope. And it remember people's perceptions I was telling you was bad in the beginning, but I stayed focused on my course and people follow me now and they see me doing good, bro. So I kind of improved myself here in Hawaii. 
and the people whose perceptions was bad about me. Panty police officers from back in the day had personal vendettas against me. And now that I motivational speak and helping kids, I get conf not confronted. I get approached on a daily basis. I may be at the supermarket at the beach and people would come up to me, adults and say, you know, Kyle, I never liked you, you know, in the beginning when you came out of prison, but I see what you're doing now. And if you can get better, Kyle, I know my son can get better because my son is an addict now. He was exactly where he was. And just by seeing you doing good, I get hope that my son can do good. And just hope, bro. Hope for people that my faith is through the roof, bro. If God can turn a 98-pound chrysomet addict Hawaii's most wanted into a motivational speaker and helping thousands and thousands of kids, God can do anything, bro. That's why one thing I always tell myself is no sweat the small stuff. The small I have so much people grumbling about little things, bro. And sometimes it's, it bothers me like, oh, I don't know why I file. Oh, this or oh, this guy not like following me back and this and this. And sometimes it's so overwhelming. I, I say, oh, hi, my name is Kyle. I, I, can, I can talk to you real quick. Then I share my story. And whatever issue they had dealing with before I share with them is gone. And I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Life is too short and too precious to sweat the small stuff, bro. And my fate is through the roof. So when things come my way that is not good, I already know that God goes to me true, bro. I look at every negative thing as a storm. Storms in life, it's inevitable. It's part of life. Even the storms within ourselves. So when storms hit me, I remember my, my value, my self-worth, and I endure because I know the sun going to shine once again because no storm lasts forever in life or in ourselves, bro. But get some people out, they feel the storm. They feel like the storm is going to last forever. That's when they sink into a deep hole, bro. Yeah? And that's, that's I come in. They reach out to me and I explain to them, you know, the feeling you feel is temporary, bro. Just like when storm, going to subside. And if I got to stay here with you and talk to you and help you through the situation, huh, I'm right here with you, bro. You know, Kyle, I know, I, I know probably when you were younger, you felt that God had a plan for you that you would be a world famous golfer and, you know, traveling the world, doing all this other stuff, but, and making an impact. But, you know, really when I see you now, although it's unfortunate that you had to go through so many painful things, what you've been able to turn this into, to the benefit of other people, I, I think you really are living your best recovered life in many ways. Your life is much bigger than if you would have gone down that other path. Mm -hmm. I, I think about what ifs and what ifs and you know how much times I ask myself that, but I look back on my life and I, I grateful with God get me right now in my life and panty kids, they do interviews on me for school activities. And I get asked a lot of questions by kids. Cause I, like I said, I speak to a lot of schools and one girl and asked me this one question that no person had asked me in my life in Hawaii. They call me uncle to kids as an uncle, as an elder. She said, uncle. I said, yeah, if you could rewind time to the crystal med pipe came to your hand, what would you do different? Oh, I look at her. I said, that's a good question. To tell you the truth, I'll do the same thing. And she looked at me with a confused look on her face. I said, I smoke crystal meth. I went to prison for 10 years. I did this. I did this. But look what that did for uh, thousands and thousands of kids, bro. You know, you know how much kids I speak to in Hawaii? And 
they keep me accountable, these kids. I couldn't be bad if I wanted to. You could come to Hawaii. We could go to any island we like. The kids just going to gravitate. Yeah, you have every teenager in, in, in the, on the island uh, looking at you, right? Yeah. And I couldn't be bad if I wanted to. And they would come up to me and they'll say, uncle, you came to my school. And because of what you said, I wouldn't do the right thing because I don't like go prison. And this is one thing that I tell the kids. I, I tell them this at the assemblies. I say, we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. And if you guys like jeopardize where we live for a 10 by 10 cell when I'm dining big bill, you out of your mind, bro. You better think. Then I see the wheels, bro, just turning in the head, bro. Boom. Got him. Next. Got him. Got him. Got him. And like I said, I did all these schools for free. People thought I was crazy. I would leave. I, I'm from the big island. Island of Kauai. They call me, Kyle, can you do one whole island tour? Going to take me one month. Yeah. I got to leave my family. And I, I got to get the money, that little bit money that I get in my pocket. But like I said, my faith is through the roof. And I follow my heart all the time. And I go and I leave my family behind. And I go and I, with the intent to help these kids, bro, without no expectations back, bro. That's how I like give back to the state that I r- ruined and devastated because of my addiction. If I can stop one person from where what I was doing, that's how I get paid, bro. And Kyle, if you if you had one final thing to say to somebody who's sitting and maybe watching this, that's that's struggling. Maybe they're recovered. You know, they're no longer using drugs and alcohol, but their life isn't what they think it should be. Um, if you could say one thing about service, what would you say? I would say, humble yourself. Humble yourself so you can be of service, so you can be of use. There's no such thing as a prideful servant. Humility allows you to be, to be of service. Humble yourself so you can be of service. And every day I fight for my humility. Every day I ask God and pray to keep me humble, bro. So I can continue to do what I do with these kids. Because once I get arrogant, that's what happened to me in the beginning of my life. My arrogance took me down fast. So no matter what happened in your life, good, bad, you stay humble, bro. And you pray. If you don't believe in God, you, you, you do something that you love on outside, outdoors, and activities, and Another thing I like to say is I believe that there's two types of learning. You learn something for the first time, like a child learning how to walk. And there's learning from your mistakes, right? like me. I learn from my mistakes. I learn. I made changes and I try again. Right? Failure. Failure gave me many opportunities to better myself. So when you see failure, or embrace failure when you try something and you fail. And just find ways for, for be better. And be better and stay humble and no sweat the small stuff. That'll be my advice. No sweat the small stuff because things could be worse. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the Recovered Life Show. Where can they find out more about you and your work? You can go to Stay Humble Pray on Instagram. One word, Stay Humble Pray. I'm also now on Clubhouse. Stay Humble Pray. Everything is Stay Humble Pray. On any social platform, you type in Stay Humble Pray, YouTube, Stay Humble Pray, you can find me. And don't hesitate to reach out. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.